Professor Dumbledore has granted me permission to start this little dueling club. And with that, welcome to the dueling club, learning one spell at a time. Hello, hello, and welcome to the dueling club. I'm Jen. And I'm Al. And he's mad at himself that he didn't put waters in his fridge. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah, that's I, literally I, what we just <clears throat> talked about. Yeah, I have a mini fridge in the corner of my room that, like, I put... Oh, hello, Chanel. Apparently she wants to be on the podcast, too. Yeah, she does. Oh, thank okay. you for the kisses. Thank you for the kisses. Okay, get down. Now down. Bajate. Come on. Thank you. We're doing important things, little girl. Calm down. She's not a little girl. No, she's big. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, uh, last night I was too tired to put waters in my mini fridge. And so now I'm thirsty and sad. Yeah. Um, well, you're thirsty, but you're not as thirsty as you could have been because we already had our energy drinks, our bang energy drinks, not monster. No, because let me get loopy. Yeah. Um. Yes. Hello? What are you? Oh. What are you, why are you pushing so, me? So, okay. you know how we had the conversation about enervate or renovate? Yes. And it's turned into a discussion as well on our uh, Facebook group. Yes. With Max. Hey, Max. Um, I grabbed my first edition, first American edition, a Goblet of Fire book. Yes. Looked it up. It says Enervate. That's the copy that I read when yeah. I was younger. That I think, did you get me four? I think you got me four. I think I got you four. Yeah, that my copy had yeah. Enervate, and I read that copy until it actually started to fall apart. Yes, but then the PDF we have says Renervate. Yes. And then I'm sure that if I were to open up the newer editions that I have, that it would also say renovate. Well, I want to test that because in the other room I have, I think, three different versions of Goblet of Fire. Well, one we of them... We do that some other time. Yes. One of them I'm not going to open up because it's the box set with the Hogwarts spine mm-hmm. when you have all of them together. So that one I'm never opening up. That's True. just not happening. True. And I also have the the full set of the Ravenclaw special editions. I have it for Gryffindor. Yes. And that I'd be willing to check. That I would that I would be willing to check as well. Mm. I want to actually get them all in Spanish now. Because that would be kind of cool. Just to be able to read them in another language I know. Well the one that I think is is kind of ridiculous is uh Potter Collector on YouTube has them in like languages that are like just like out there yeah i mean it's neat but also like okay so well, far no because no you it's his hobby the book, and that's perfectly okay you want to make the book accessible to everyone no no, no. i'm not saying how, what, the, why them printing it in that language is ridiculous is him mm-hmm. like hunting hunting down the copy of a language that no one speaks anymore like okay chill but hey, it's his hobby, it's so it's hobby. okay. Obviously. My hobby, one of my hobbies, is crocheting. I crocheted a, an elephant. You did? Um, I didn't send you the picture, but I can show it to you You now. showed me the crocodile that you did, though. The alligator. Alligator, sorry. Get it right. Okay. It's an alligator. Okay. Not like and a zoologist or anything. You know, but alright, fine. I'm just saying, get it right. Okay. Now you're looking up a picture, and now there's a lull in the conversation. No, it's right here. 
Mm-hmm. Those are the three pictures. Yes. He Very looks better cute. in person. Maybe he has big old flappy ears. <laughs> I'll post the pictures on our group just so that we have it because, you know, it's what I do. True. So that's my hobby. This guy's hobby is getting all of the different languages of well, Harry it, Potter. Not just that. It's getting everything Harry Potter ever. Okay. So I understand. I love that idea. However, money doesn't necessarily exactly grow on trees. So I can't get all of the things I want all the time. True. Yeah. We don't have like a huge YouTube channel and are given. You know, a free trip to go out to the Harry Potter store with like a bajillion dollars, like spending monies. You know? So, yeah. You know, we're not there. Because cause bills. Yeah. But it would be nice if we could. True. Very true. So now we get to the point where I ask you, how have you been? Because it has been a week. It has been a week. Um, good. Working hard? Yeah. Um,. Severely sleep deprived. Well, me too, me too. Um, you know how I know this? How? Because if I get comfortable, it takes roughly five minutes for me to fall asleep. You don't usually fall asleep that fast. So I think um, a very simple test, uh, apparently that I saw online, interestingly enough, is you have like a spoon or something in your hand. And you have it, like, like drape off the side of the bed. And you have, like, a tray or something on the floor. And then you, like, run a timer from the second you try it. Like, you put yourself in the process of, like, going to sleep. Mm-hmm. And you see how long it, uh, like, how long it takes for the clatter of the spoon hitting the tray to wake you up. Like, wakes you up. That time shows how sleep-deprived you are. If it's within five minutes, you are severely sleep-deprived. And you need to sleep probably immediately. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes is moderately, and you have to start reevaluating your um, sleep schedule. And fifteen is roughly. You have to start reevaluating your life choices. Yes. <laughs> and fifteen is you're probably okay. But what about people who can just fall asleep pretty easily? Like that doesn't necessarily mean that they're sleep deprived. I can fall asleep fairly easily all the time. Regardless of whether I am sleep deprived or not. Your body thinks you're sleep deprived. Darn it, body. Figure it out. Treacherous. I tell you. But you know, but I, we're all kind of a bunch of really good sleepers in our family. Besides me. No. When you start have, sleeping, have, you have, sleep forever. Yes, but I have random like, insomnia where I'm just me like... Me too, though. I don't sleep for 20-some-odd hours. Okay. Not that... Well, no, that has happened to me. Many times. That happens to me all the time. Okay. So, basically, mom gets the best sleep. Oh, yeah. Then it's me. Then it's you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I ended up going to a birthday slash housewarming party yesterday. It's yes. Sunday. We usually record on Saturdays, but it's Sunday. And the reason why is because I had to go to this thing. And because I was very, very tired. And because you were very, very tired because work Please was busy. see previous section on <laughs> extreme sleep deprivation. Yeah. And I had a really good time, but I was wearing pants. 
Mm-hmm. We were outside. I was wearing pants. The mosquitoes gotcha got me first. through my pants. Those are some crafty mosquitoes. I even sprayed myself with the outdoor bug spray. They're kamikaze mosquitoes. Yeah, they they don't just care. don't care. Yeah, they don't care. They're just rude. Disrespectful. Rude yeah. They got in your pants without your permission. Yes. And the, there, there was a, clearly a sign that said no mosquitoes. And they were like... La, 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 don't care. And they had, they, they were just like, yeah, well, I don't listen to signs, so. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> but I had a good time. And, oh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because my, my, the boyfriend's <coughs> sister-in-law, she baked the cake for, it, it was, um, my boyfriend's older brother's birthday. Yes. She baked his cake and she decorated her, herself. Mm-hmm. And it was a vanilla cake with a pineapple jam filling. Yes. And she made the frosting and everything herself. Yes. It was a Batman cake. Okay. Because he loves Batman. I mean, awesome. And we were talking about baking because she asked me my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because we talk about how both of us like to bake. And she asked me my opinion and I was like, oh, I like I like this. It's a It was a vanilla cake. It was good. She's like, what about the bottom layers? Because they were a little bit drier than I would have liked. And I was like, They're not, it's a little bit dense, but the flavor is still good. Okay. Come through, prove. Right? And she's like, okay, that's what I was thinking too. And I was like, and I like the pineapple jam that you made yourself mm-hmm. because it's not overly sweet and it lets the pineapple speak for itself. And she's like, okay, I like that. I was like, oh, and the, the, the frosting is delicious. This is good. So we were talking about that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know what I really want to make? I was like, what? She's like, macarons. I was like, oh, okay. me too. So now, we have a, okay. so now we have a, a tentative macaron date. Okay. Apparently, that's what adults do now. Yeah. We, we commiserate over shared interests, and then we make tentative playdates. Okay, I want pictures, and if they're not perfectly domed, I will call the police on someone. If they don't have the feet, then yeah. that's a problem. Exactly. Yes. No, we all, we discussed this. And I was like, I mean, if the Try Guys can do it without a recipe and fail, why can't we? I want you to know that I watch so much, like, British Bake Off, mm-hmm. that when I watch, like, MasterChef, they're doing desserts, mm-hmm. and they say certain things, I'm like, no. <laughs> no. They're like, yeah, I'm making puff pastry, which makes you think they're making full puff, because... No. Yeah, no, but they always make rough puff. Ex- they, they do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, say that then. Mm-hmm. Don't say puff pastry, because that gives me full puff. That's what my brain goes. And they're just, like, throwing on... Like a shaved but like butter mm-hmm. onto like dough that they've been handling oh. for forever, and I'm like, I cringe. I'm like, stop. The warmer you get it, you're gonna melt the butter, not gonna have layers. Then I stop, and I'm like, why am I Paul Hollywood right now? <laughs> what is happening? But that's that's what happened last night. We were talking about mm-hmm. pastries and 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 baked goods, and it just randomly started coming up. I even mentioned the Great British Baking Show, and mm-hmm. she's like, "Yes, yes, I have the slip mat with the circles and the this, and that we can do this, and we just need to let it set for this long." And she's like, "I'm just worried that you know how they say it's gonna take two hours to make them, mm-hmm. that it's gonna be like four hours." It's like, well, as long as we have that and some beverages, we'll be fine. It's part of the movie. Yep. 
Oh no, I, I've become like a snob for baking. I can't anymore. <sighs> so here I am. As I eat my oatmeal raisin cookie that I got from 7-Eleven. Listen, they make decent cookies. Yeah, but I could tear them apart. Of course. <laughs> but I'm saying... I also had some, by the way. Yes, but I'm also saying it's a, it's a decent cookie. Yeah. It's something sweet. Mm-hmm. And not overly sweet. True. I hate when things are overly sweet because then you don't get to taste the flavors of the ingredients. I've never really run into an issue where something was overly sweet that I can think of. But, but you I like, like to, sweet things. Exactly. So, like, that... I tend to like things that are fairly more balanced. Mm-hmm. And when things are overly, like, they're overly sugary, I can't enjoy the flavors. Yes. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <coughs> you know what I do enjoy, though? Here we go. Our podcast. There it is. I do. I enjoy listening to it via Podbean, which is where we're hosted. But I would enjoy listening to it anywhere, like Spotify or Apple's, Apple iTunes. That's what it's called. Or apples. Google Play. <laughs> the Apples. Listen to us on Apples. Get your Granny Smith out, baby. <laughs> but you know what I also enjoy? I also enjoy our Facebook page yes. and our Facebook group. Yes. So, I mean, like, follow, subscribe, comment. We love you. Thanks. Do the thing. Mm-hmm. Do it well. Um, so yeah, did, did you like about, that? Wasn't that good though? I knew, I knew it. It wasn't as slick as it used to be. No, because I didn't know how to put it in. So I was True. like, "This is where I'm going to put it in." True. Fair enough. And you know what else is really good? What? Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Oh snap! Yeah, we're almost at the very end. We True. have like two more chapters. This one and the next one. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I have to watch the movie again. And be really upset. Yeah. Because this is the movie where everybody decided that they didn't want to do anything with their hair. Yeah. Except for Hermione. Well, there's also other things that are wrong with this movie. Well, yes, but I'm just saying, those are the main things that every time I think about this, I'm like, ew. True. So, we are on... um, Oh, goodness. I didn't even get the book right ready because I was looking for that other thing, so I needed to make sure. Okay. So we, we are in... <laughs> no. We are in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Chapter 36. The Parting, the of, parting of Ways. Yes. Episode 42, Season 4. <clears throat> this is long. <clears throat> yeah. So let's do a recap. Basically... Barty Crouch Jr., big old bad guy. Yes. He was the teacher. He was moody. He was fake moody. He played a really good fake moody. He though. did. He got very in character. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was a good fake moody, mm-hmm. but he was also a good uh, a good servant of the Dark Lord. Yes. A.K.A. Lord Voldemort. A.K.A. Moldy Shorts. Yes. And, um... Basically figured it all out to get Harry to be the last person, um, the champion of the Triwizard Tournament. The yes. cup was a porky, took him to a graveyard, uh, brought Voldemort dead. back, Cedric dead. Okay, we went like three chapters back now. Yeah. Well, because it's all bled into each other. Yeah, but like, 
you know. Okay. Cedric dead. Voldemort back. Yeah. Crouch, of, bad guy. Crouch, Actual. bad guy. All of the Death Eaters, former Slytherins. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, that's commitment to your cause. But only sort of. Yeah. But that's the that's the bad side of cunning. You know what makes me sad, though? Mm. Is J.K. wrote an entire house to just be the antagonistic. Mm-hmm. Like, at every turn. And it's like, what about, like, what about the people who identify with the values of Slytherin? Like, it, it, it stands today that people go like, oh, why would you want to be Slytherin? And it's like, there's nothing wrong with, like, being ambitious and, like, wanting power and wanting to be able to um, pride yourself in status and stuff like that. That's why I said the bad side of cunning. Yeah. Because every attribute that they give to Slytherins is, they're not bad. They're not inherently bad. You can be ambitious without hurting other people. You can be cunning without sabotaging other people's efforts. Yeah. You you know, just like not all Ravenclaws are good. I mean, Gilderoy Lockhart. Uh, Quirrell? Quirrell. Yeah. Quirrell was a bad one. Yeah. Not all Slytherins uh, are bad. It ever to know that he was a Ravenclaw, mm-hmm. by the way, because it's not at all ever mentioned in the book that is on, like... What used what, to be what Pottermore. Be, yes. Oh, the dog's mom's home. Yes, she is. Yeah. But anyway, we're going to keep going. Let me close the door, actually. Okay. Okay, door closed. Both of them. Oh. Oh, extra. Extra closed. Yes. Um, I always feel bad for, for Slytherins in, like, the early 2000s when... Because this book, this one was published in 2000. We looked it up. Yes. It was published in June of 2000. June 5th, to be exact. Um, And I feel bad for Slytherins back then, because literally all of the Slytherins we know until this point have been associated to Death Eaters. Whether they have been acquitted or not of their crimes is, is not relevant, but they're all confirmed Death Eaters. That we know of. Yeah. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Like, why would you want to be part of a house that is known for just being all kinds of bad? And to me, it's like, that's why I like Crumb as a character, because he's from Durmstrang, a school that's known for creating as many dark wizards as Slytherin House. Which is why they sit with the Slytherins at the yes. beginning, because... That was the whole thing, was to liken them sort of a little bit. Mm-hmm. To draw a parallel. Yeah, exactly. But Crumb is like, I'm just a regular teenager who just happens to be a world-renowned Quidditch player, but I'm a regular teenager with regular teenage stuff, and I'm not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He has, um, we find out later when we meet him again, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but not really at all, actually. Um, he has, like, a defined set of values yeah, that's not a spoiler. That's, that's a spoiler fine. At all. Yeah, he has a defined set of values, and he's he shows that he's not a bad person. Yeah, that he cares about his community and his fellow wizards. Yes, and that's how we stay out of spoiler territory. 
I think that was actually pretty yes. good. Yes. Good job. Um, it just, it bothers me that they were all, all the Slytherins were portrayed as just these evil. either evil hiding or evil coming into play eventually. Well, no, the thing, it's not even, it's not that, that far. It's that even the ones that are mentioned in one book or one chapter are never, like, in a good light. It's not like, look at this Slytherin trying their hardest at a test. It's like, look at these group of Slytherins making fun of Harry Potter. Or look at this one Slytherin girl wrestling Hermione. Yeah. Like, there's never a Slytherin who's just, like, walking down the corridor being a good citizen. Like, (laughs) it's always like, this Slytherin's a douche. Let me show you some more of Slytherin douchery. It's like, it's not, it's not, that can't be reality. You can't tell me this whole house is full of just, like, complete a-holes. You can't. It's impossible. And I mean, we all, good, good censoring yourself. Good job. I do it. You and I, we grew up in the same house. And our sister. Let's include the three of us. We all grew up in the same house. Technically same parents. Although I will argue that because we were different ages, our parents were also technically different. Because different people. Because different people. But whatever. Fine. That's um, a thing that... Jen and I kind of understand. I hope that like other people can get it too. Is that like it's a Doctor Who thing as well? It's like all throughout our lives we're different people. Mm-hmm. So even if there's a year difference between children, which I mean, it physically has, yeah, it literally has to be. Uh, like, it's more like ten, eleven months, but yes, roughly a year. Yes, um, the your parents are going to be different because they've experienced things. Mm-hmm. So parenting is going to be slightly different for that year, and then I mean, obviously. They're going to have the same thereafter because there's a bigger difference in the year between us. Yes. We were raised completely different. Oh, all yeah. of us. All and of so us. that's why we say, like, they're the same, like, physical people, but who... Who... The, the value... not And they had similar values. Yes. Those fundamental values don't change. But mm-hmm. they had different experiences that taught them to do things differently between children. Yeah. So, so like, we had the same parent, but we didn't. Yeah. Basically, is what that comes down to. But, so, same thing as, as the entire Slytherin house at Hogwarts. Yeah. They had the same teachers, but didn't. But they did. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me and that... We also that, mentioned their parenting at home. Yeah. We, we but we're, no let's just, let's just not, not yes, even sir. talk about that. But you and I, we grew up in the same house. Us and, and our sister, we all grew up in the same house... You can't tell me that we all have the same personalities, no. Or that we all have the same values outside of the fundamentals. Because mm-hmm. we don't. We're, we're different people. So you can't imagine that we'd all be, if we're going to boil it down to good or bad, mm-hmm. not all of us are going to be good. It's not. It shouldn't be expected that all of us would be good or expected that all of us would be bad. We would be a combination of those things. And I'm not saying I'm totally bad. No, no, no. I'm saying, you know, or you're totally bad. I'm just saying if we're going to reduce it down to that, there should be, there shouldn't be an expectation and there isn't that we would all be the same growing up in the same house. So why do we expect all of the Slytherin house, all of the students who have ever come through that house Mm -hmm. to all be bad? But that's the way JK set it up. And it's it, it even stands like to reason that twins, except for one, twins come out differently too. 
and their ease at the same time. Literally, they're born at the same time. Yeah. But. Well, we get that with Pavardi and Padma Patel. Yeah. One of them ended up in Gryffindor, and one of them ended up in Slytherin. Yeah. Not Slytherin. We're talking about Slytherin, so that's why it came out. But, like, one of them ended up in, in Ravenclaw. One of them was a Gryffindor. Same house, raised the same way. At the same time. At the same time. So, technically, that's the only instance in which I would say same parents. Yeah. But still ended up exhibiting values, skills, whatever that the, the sorting hat detects. That the sorting hat said, nope, I'm going to separate you guys. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting thing. We should, we should probably have, like, when we're done with all the books, an episode on, like, the psychology of it all. And, like, because that that's where you would shine. Don't make me happy. No, I think it would be, be an interesting thing. Okay. Because you can touch on, like, the the the, 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 the blood status bias. You can talk. There's just so much to talk about in so, the psychology of it all. I think, I think we just need to have... An offshoot, a branch, if you will. No, 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 no. You say this because you're excited and want to do it now. Mm-mm. No. No, listen, no. listen. Let me continue. Where we do talk about the psychology of things, like you said, but I think that it should be something that we go really deep into it and research it and provide the details because it's really important, especially with current events. That we talk about these things. Yeah. Because it's great. I love this podcast. And I love talking about Harry Potter. And we intersperse little nuggets of truth and of current events. Or the way that we view current events and have come up with our truths. Yes. But I think we, we do it in a way that we're always referring it back to the book and the book's are the main focus, which they should be. It's a Harry Potter podcast. But Harry Potter doesn't exist in a vacuum. No. So it would make sense that we do something more in-depth with current events and align it to current events because that's how we view things. We view things through the lenses that we grew up with. And if Harry Potter happens to be one of those lenses, why not explore that further? True. And I'm going to come back to Harry Potter world now. Yes. Uh, you got me super excited. I did. I The second I said it, I'm like, oh no. Oh no. I mean, no, there's, that's why I said, like, don't be, because you were like, we have to slow down on episodes because, like, when we're done with the books, oh, what do we do with the movies? Like, Fantastic Beasts and then what? And then what? We, there's so much. There's, there's so much. We can do episodes on on theories for things, on predictions for the next movie, for anything. Anything. How old is JK's kid? Hope maybe she'll write something. All I know is that there's confirmed like a project for Twilight at Netflix now. So don't make that a uh, little poopy face. Um so I have hope that they touch on Harry Potter and then a Harry Potter project comes. I don't think it's going to happen, but I can hope. So you get more Harry Potter stuff. Yeah. I just don't want them to mess it up. The thing is, people. what people want is an actual episodic series. 
Yes. That just, just does the books again. Yes. But does them like one episode per chapter. Like, how can you mess it up? Just don't take liberty. Don't take liberties. That's it. It would be nice to think that they wouldn't <clears throat> take liberties, but knowing these companies, knowing what they want to do, they want to sensationalize things, they probably will take liberties. And it's like, this is a really great series. Just do the series. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be a jerk. Just, and I almost cursed because it makes me that mad. Mm-hmm. Don't be a jerk. Just do the right thing. Do every chapter or maybe do a couple of chapters together because some of the chapters go together. That's why our recap was like four chapters together. Because they they flow into each other. Fine. Do those together. But at least make it so that it's 20-something episodes a book. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. That That's my thing is like... I mentioned it to you a million times, and we've mentioned it on the podcast as well. But like the the chase, but non chase scene from movie three. Yes, that was like a waste of time. Mm-hmm. It was a complete waste of time. How use about- that on actual story elements. Why would you use that for a creative liberty to have a funny moment at the very beginning? Like, no. The beginning of book three is actually pretty tense. So yeah. keep that going in the movie. Don't have comedic relief randomly put through that then denies story elements from being included. It makes no sense. Yeah. Well... And I understand that, like, screenplays have to be written because they have to be slightly different because, like, you can't do exact book to movie. It does. But like, why can't you? I mean, to me, you can. But... <laughs> I don't know the process. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the process either, but I'm just going to say that movie adaptations of books need to be more like the books. They just need to. Because then you alienate the entire base of people who read the books. Because they're like, well, this doesn't match. This isn't what I imagine. This isn't how it's written. I don't understand. Granted, our imaginations are going to be far better than anything that can be put onto the screen when it comes to reading a story because a lot of us are imaginative and see it as a movie in our head as we read it. Yeah. But at least do that justice. Like, I feel like if you're going to do a book adaptation, you need to have, I don't know, read the book. That's why, oh, this is, I brought this up a few times. I'm not sure if I mentioned it too much in the podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh, Michael Gambon, the guy who plays Dumbledore, the second Dumbledore, because you know the first is Richard Harris, who yes. passed away. Rest in peace. Yes. Um, Along with Alan Rickman. Yes. Um, he, you know that whole like crazy... And, and the lady who played Narcissa Malfoy. Yes. Who's Helen... Helen something. I I'm going to have to look it up. Do so. Um, McCoy. McCoy. Anyway. Okay. Um, he refused to read the books because he wanted to have his idea of what Dumbledore should be untarnished or unaffected. And I also understand that, but... McCrory. Yes. Helen McCrory. Did you know that the actor who played um, Uncle Vernon also is no longer with us? Oh, no. 
Very sad. Um, and I, I get that because you want to have your creative freedom because, like, being an actor isn't just reading what's on a piece of Richard paper. Richard Griffiths. He passed away in 2013. Okay. Sorry. I had to. Uh-huh. Anyway, being an actor isn't just reading what's on the paper and, like, trying to convey an emotion. Your your job is to embody the character. And so I guess he had his idea of what Dumbledore should be already, and he wanted to continue to push that image. But also, that's when you have, like, a mean performance, like what happened at the beginning of Goblet of Fire, with the, did you push your name in the uh, thing? And it's just like... Dumbledore, that's ask not calmly. Yeah, that's, that's not accurate to what, what Dumbledore did or who Dumbledore is. Dumbledore isn't someone who immediately breaks out in, in, like, fiery passion. No. He's someone who's... He sits on his passion a little bit. He he holds it back because he knows that aggression doesn't work sometimes. Yeah. And so, like, that's why uh, there's a speech that comes up in book... Six at the beginning of book six, which he's angry to the the. <laughs> he's angry, but it's calm and it's it's more terrifying than if he's yelling. Mm-hmm. And that that's the thing. That, that's it, who Dumbledore is. Yes. Well, and we need to get back to the chapter because there's something that goes along with that in this chapter. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it bothers me that they've, (laughs) the boyfriend likes to say that that's my favorite part of the movie because I talk about it all the time. Mm. And it's not my favorite part of the movie where he's like, do you want your name to go on fire? No, because that's not how it says. It's just the thing that stands out to me the most because it was done so poorly. But my thing is, is that if you remember it so clearly. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it a bad thing that it was done, like, not accurately? Maybe not, because the performance still stands out. Yes, It's just for the wrong reason. Exactly. But but then, it's still a thing, because you still remember it, very clearly. So I guess it goes with the, any publicity is good publicity. But it's like, "Mm, is it really, though? Anyway, let's Mm -hmm. get back to the chapter. So, again, recap. Cedric is dead. Voldemort is back. Uh, Mad-Eye wasn't actually Mad-Eye. Barty Crouch Jr., uh, convicted Death Eater. Uh, kind of crazy. Dumbledore sees Harry from him. And we get all of the information from him through Veris- Veritas yeah. Serum. Yeah. Which is the world, the most powerful truth serum. Yeah, his mom took his place in Azkaban. His dad kept him prisoner at home. Um, he <laughs> learned to fight it. He's the one who threw up the dark mark in the sky at the Quidditch World Cup. Yes. And, yeah, tables were turned. His dad was prisoner instead because Voldemort came for a house visit. How sweet of him. And he transfigured his dad into a bone and buried him. Killed him, transfigured him into a bone and buried him. So, yeah. Here we are. Here we are. Yes. Um, so... Uh, so after hearing all of this, Dumbledore stands up. He raises his wand... And gets um, ropes flying out of his wand. 
wrap him up so he can't get away. And he turns to Professor McGonagall and is like, Minerva, I need you to stand guard here while I take Harry upstairs. And McGonagall is like, gotcha. I can do it. I can guard Barty Crouch while while everything else happens. Mm-hmm. Um, turns to Snape and says, I need you to tell Madame Pomfrey to come here. We need to get Alistair Moody to the hospital wing because he's been in a box for an entire school year. We need to help him out. Yes. Um, and then, and then he's like, and after you do that, go get Mr. Fudge and bring him up to this, this office because he'll definitely want to talk to Crouch himself. Oh, Dumbledore. Yes. Um, Professor Dumbledore then grabs Harry, who at this point his leg is finally starting to hurt him again. Mm-hmm. Um, because whatever was done to him before that's worn off, and his leg is killed. Mm-hmm. So Dumbledore helps him get up, and they go up to his office. Mm-hmm. And over Sirius, uh, Sirius's protest because remember Snape was no, was it McGonagall? McGonagall, I think. Was ordered to get um, serious from Hagrid's pumpkin patch. Yes, the the black dog. Yes. Okay. So surprise that is serious. Yes, surprise. Well, we mentioned that in the last episode. Yes. We're like, who could that be? Hmm. But um, he protests that Harry is exhausted and injured, but Dumbledore has to hear a recount right now of what happened tonight. So. I think it's really interesting to point out that Sirius, when when Dumbledore and Harry walk into the office, Sirius is like, what happened is, you know, what happened in the tournament, blah, blah, blah. And he sees Harry and the condition that Harry is in. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what happened? Like the tone changes and is like, what happened? Tell me now. And Harry is still in shock. And Dumbledore's like, I need to hear everything that happened. I'm really sorry. Well, so what ends up happening is Dumbledore tells Sirius everything that they found out from Barty Crouch Jr. Mm -hmm. And Sirius is like, OMG, what the actual hell? Mm -hmm. And that's when Dumbledore says, Harry, I need you to tell me what happened from when you touched the... The Triwizard Cup. So that's a, it's a thing that also goes with like um, getting a story for like a crime or something. Yeah. You you have to know as soon as possible what happened because when people are given time to relax and think on it, their memory starts shifting. Starts shifting a little bit. Things yeah. things become um, foggy. Random things become clear. Things become out of order. Well, and that's why Sirius... That's why I appreciate Sirius saying, no, let's just do it later. He's exhausted. But I understand where Dumbledore is coming from because Dumbledore needs the full story. And, like, he's gotten the majority of it from Crouch, from Barty Crouch Jr. Mm -hmm. But he's missing the what happened between when you left and when you came back, Harry. Like, I need to know those things. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So you know how, like, they can take their memories 
out and put it in the pincer. Why wouldn't he just do that? I was that as well. Yeah. Oh, that's like my first question. But my second question is losing a bit of your memory like that seems like it would create a weird disjointed because like what's before and after it mm-hmm. the, the missing middle it's like a sandwich like it could create inconsistencies right so my question is is when they pull the memory out does it create a copy of the memory because that would make sense so and that would also not make sense to go for, into spoiler territory yes but we see later mm-hmm. again that this happens um, and it was a copy of the available memory. Yes. And you know what I'm referring to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think that if it's been altered, mm-hmm. you get the co- a copy of the altered memory instead of a copy of the real memory. Mm-hmm. But if the real memory has been altered, then you're technically getting a copy of the real memory. So the consensus here is that it's just a copy of the memory, whether yes. it's a legitimate one or a copy yes. or, or an altered version or whatever. It's all just a copy no matter what. Okay. Well, and I think that the reason why Dumbledore wanted to get it from Harry is because he actually says, Sirius, I understand. And Harry, if I thought that that letting you go to sleep and letting you not deal with this would be helpful, I absolutely would. But you need to start processing it now. Mm-hmm. So I think he could have definitely gotten a copy of the memory and mm-hmm. seen it himself. But I think he needed to see it through the Harry lens and through the importance of what Harry placed upon it. Well, I think that in in him trying to teach Harry how to create a copy of his memory for the pensive, that it would just take too long. Yeah. And Harry's in no condition to learn anything right now. Yeah. Because remember, Harry's still in pain from his his arm, from mm. his leg, and from his head. Even if you just think about it in a And he was life, just even, attacked by someone he thought he could trust. Even if none of that had happened, he's been awake for how long now? Yeah. So I think it's like all of these things make it like completely impossible for him to make a copy of his memory so that they can explore it themselves. Yeah. Um, so... Thankfully, Fox is around, though, and he kind of likes Harry. So, Fox Mm -hmm. actually rests on on Harry's knee Mm -hmm. while Harry starts telling everything. And he, he says, well, the book mentions that it feels like Fox just being there is making him feel like he can talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like it's giving him the strength to talk about it. So he starts recounting everything. And he talks about, you know, how how he was in, in this cemetery and and Wormtail was there and they did this spell. And, you know, while he's talking about it, he it says that he gets flashes of everything that happened. So he's just saying it. And then he gets to the part where, oh, and they did a spell and they used my blood. Mm-hmm. And this whole time, Sirius has had his arm on his, his hand on Harry's shoulder. And when he says that, like Sirius's grip gets even harder. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore is like, really? 
and the, he shows them his arm and he's like oh he he's he's figured out how to get past that and he's like yeah because he can touch me now he touched my face mm-hmm. and apparently Dumbledore has a triumphant gleam in his eyes just for a moment yeah so that's an interesting thing yeah Voldemort can touch Harry Potter yes like okay Dumbledore hold me calm down <laughs> yeah and then and then so he gets to the point where they're talking about um how their wands connected and Sirius says what do you mean your wands connected and this is where um Dumbledore explains it for everyone and we've already explained it before because we had the chapter priori and cantatum he's like priori and cantatum this is what happened. Yeah. They we, have 20 We, we jumped ahead a little bit last... Yes last. and no. Because it has been mentioned before, and that was the name of the chapter. Yeah, but it was one of those things where it was like, we're talking about the spell versus the actual, like, uh, like innate effect yeah. of the, the special conditions of the wands. Yeah. But it, it was something that was kind of necessary in the moment. Yes. Maybe it wasn't, but it, it felt was, necessary. It, it was something that you can't really unintertwine. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So but this the, is where Dumbledore explains reader, it. This is where you get your the information from. Yes, where it's the wands are twin cores. The, you know, the they have the phoenix feather in it, yeah, and, they're and it's to fox's feather. Yeah. And typically, wands will wands that have brother cores or matching cores will not fight well against each other. They just won't work. But if they're forced to duel against each other, one of them will overtake the other Mm -hmm. and cause the other's spells. The reverse spell effect. Um, And it's like when he says, when when Voldemort made you duel him, your wand overtook his and created this effect. Mm -hmm. And he's like, so you saw, I want to say what it was. The way he says it. Um, Which means that you saw some form of Cedric. That some form of Cedric must have reappeared. And Sirius says sharply, Diggory came back to life. And Dumbledore explains, no spell can reawaken the dead. All that would have happened is a kind of reverse echo. A shadow of the living Cedric would have emerged from the wand. Am I correct, Harry? And he says, um, it's an echo which retained Cedric's appearance and character. I am assuming other such forms appeared, less recent victims of Voldemort's wand. And Harry's like, an old man, Bertha Jorkins, and, and he stops. Mm-hmm. He, it's, it's too much for him. And Dumbledore says quietly, your parents... And Harry says, yes. And Sirius's grip on Harry's shoulder gets even tighter. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, those we have to remember, those were his best friends. Mm-hmm. Who he still feels, feels guilty guilt. about mm-hmm. their death. <clears throat> so to know that their son saw them. Well, a year ago, he blamed himself. Yes. So... A year ago, he blamed himself so much that that Dementors were able to feed off of that, feed off of that guilt 
and and view it as this is just a guilty person. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't care. They they don't. But like his guilt was so strong that the Dementors wanted to give him the Dementors kiss mm-hmm. and snatch up his soul. Um. So then he explains, you know, their shadows, their you know echoes. What did they do? When they were there, what did they do? And Harry describes how they emerged from the wand. They prowled the edges of the golden web that was created by the mm-hmm. twin cores getting into contact and connecting and, and, you know, whatever. And then he's like, Voldemort looked scared. And the shadow of Harry's father told him what to do. And how Cedric made his final request to take his body back to his parents. Mm -hmm. And Harry is finding it really hard to continue from there. He just, he just can't. And he looks around and Sirius has his face in his hands. And I'm thinking, does he have his face in his hands? When I read it the first time Mm -hmm. and when I reread it earlier, um, does he have his face in his hands? Because like, he just doesn't understand how this could happen. Does he have his face in his hands? Because he's like, this is too much for me and I can't handle it. So I don't even know how a 14 year old can handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I could go a totally different direction. I think he has his face in his hands because he wishes that he could talk to James again. What if it's all three? What if it's just, this is crazy. I can't believe you had to deal with this. And you got to see your parents. Goodness, I wish I could see them again. He, he's he been dealing with Harry being hurt. He knows that Harry isn't in the best condition. So like, it's not even, that's not a factor for him anymore. He's yeah. already dealt with that um, emotional aspect of it. His godson being hurt. I think what it is, is that he has that his best friend what was back for a moment and he's not the one who had a chance to talk to him. Yeah, to but... To apologize for not being able to save him, to apologize for never being there for his godson. Uh, the, the things they would say to each yeah. other, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just want to say that Dumbledore... Dumbledore is just sitting there listening to everything. And Harry is like really aware at that moment that Fox has left his knee and has fluttered to the floor and is resting his his head against Harry's leg. And again, we see Fox do what Fox does and cry on his leg. Mm -hmm. And we all know that um, Phoenix tears have very powerful uh, healing properties and where the spider had gotten him, his leg is fixed now. Everything's gone. The skin is mended. He's he's better there. Um, and oh my goodness. It's, it's just, that's when Dumbledore says, I want to say it again. You have shown bravery beyond anything I could have expected of you tonight, Harry. You have shown Bravery equal to those who died fighting Voldemort at the height of his powers. You have shouldered a grown wizard's burden 
and found yourself equal to it. And you have now given us all that we have a right to expect. You will come with me to the hospital wing. I do not want you returning to the dormitory tonight. A sleeping potion and some peace. Serious, would you like to stay with him? A little dangerous. But it's what Sirius deserves. Yeah. And Sirius takes that opportunity, you know, to immediately turn himself back into a dog. And they go to the infirmary. Yeah. Um, there, Mrs. Weasley, Bill Weasley, mm-hmm. uh, Ron and Hermione are waiting. Uh, Moody is seen resting in the bed as well. Before Molly can get to Harry, she's like, oh my goodness, Harry. Dumbledore gets nope. in front of them and he's like, I, I have to say it. She says, Harry, oh Harry. He's like, Molly, please listen to me for a moment. Harry has been through a terrible ordeal tonight. He has just had to relive it for me. What he needs now is sleep and peace and quiet. If he would like you all to stay with him, and he looks at everybody, you may do so, but I do not want you questioning him until he is ready to answer, and certainly not this evening. And it's like... It's... Thank you. People try to get really deep into Dumbledore and how twisted he can be and stuff like that, but like... And we're not taking away from that. Yeah, but he does care about Harry. Mm -hmm. You don't go to the lengths that you go to for someone that Dumbledore has gone for Harry if you don't care about them. Um, I... It took me a long time to understand why Dumbledore cared so much about Harry... It's always a nagging thing. I think it's it's a multitude of reasons. I think that Dumbledore... Let's, a whole other episode. It's not something for right now, I think. Yeah. It's... It's... It's, it's a whole other yeah, episode. Thing. It's not I was going to try to start explaining it, it but I can't. It yeah, it long. would take... And we're already deep into this episode, and I don't want to be like, two hours later. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's funny that Molly nods, and she's turns around, and basically to all the other people there, did you hear him? He needs quiet. <laughs> And it's like, oh, Molly, the the ever mommy, you know, mm-hmm. she wants to be able to talk to him and get him to desahogarse, to to unburden himself. That's the word that I'm sorry. That's the word that came out. Okay. I couldn't think of it other in English. Unburden. Um, this this Unload. Unload. Because it it means like un undrown yourself so like it's the same thing yeah unload but that like i'm sorry there are other languages that have better phrases for things that evoke more imagery in my head you know sure yeah so she wants him to be able to unload and say things but like dumbledore's like no we need to give him some peace and quiet and harry's like oh It says, Harry felt an inexpressible sense of gratitude to Dumbledore for asking the others not to question him. 
<sighs> I love it. I love it. And Madame Pomfrey is like, all right, I, I'll get a, I'll get the potion. It'll be fine. Uh, what is this dog doing here? <laughs> Away with me. And Dumbledore's like, no, 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 the dog's going to stay. And Madame, Madame Pomfrey's like, okay, whatever. Whatever you say, Dumbledore. Um, and before Dumbledore leaves, he says, I'll be back to see you as soon as I have met with Fudge. I would like you to remain here until tomorrow, until I have spoken to the school. Which, again, makes sense. Because every time something crazy happens at Hogwarts, everybody wants to ask Harry about it right away. Give him a break, man. Yeah. And it's it's human nature. We all want to know what happened, what thing happened right away and how it happened. So why not go to the source of the thing? Yeah. But in this instance, the source of the thing is a 14-year-old boy who literally just needs to finish processing that he, he was entered into a tournament based off of the person who killed his parents' instruction. And he was helped throughout the tournament to basically be handed over to said murderer for his own plans to come back and try to kill him. Mm -hmm. And he saw his dead parents. Yeah. Like, that's a lot to process. True. <sighs> but, you know, with the Weasleys and Hermione and the extremely well-trained black dog, yes. Harry is in bed basically yeah he has to drink a potion of dreamless sleep yes and it's this purple potion mm -hmm. that he downs almost instantaneously and feels super sleepy um before he does that he actually looks over at where the real moody is laying down and he's like is he gonna be okay and he's like yeah he's gonna be all right mm -hmm. and his eye and wooden leg are laying on the table next to him yeah it's his it's his his accessories. Yes. <laughs> All the retired Aurors have those accessories now. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Anyway, uh, shortly after drinking the potion, Harry just feels himself sinking into like the most peaceful sleep, yeah. and I'm like, Bruh. "Can we bottle that and have that? Yeah, like, I, I need that now." Yeah. Um. He wakes up. He realizes shortly thereafter. Because it's still dark, mm -hmm. um, and it, the room is still dimly lit. So he's like, okay, it's probably still nighttime. Yeah, but he feels so warm and sleepy that he wants to go to sleep again, but then he hears whispering around him. And pretty loud whispering. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they'll wake him up if they don't shut up. And it's, Miss, uh, it's Molly and Bill talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And Molly's like, that's Fudge's voice and, and Minerva McGonagall's. Yeah. What's happening? <sighs> and he hears them come the, the the shouts become clearer as they come towards the hospital wing and fudge is just like oh you know it's regrettable um but all the same and then professor mcgonagall's yelling you should never have brought it inside the castle when dumbledore finds out and the hospital doors burst open <coughs> and fudge 
demands of Mrs. Weasley, where is Dumbledore? Well, no one notices that Harry is awake, by the way. Um, oh, because yeah. Bill pulls the curtain to separate sort of Harry from what's happening. Which but is, Harry thank sits goodness. Up. Yeah, but Harry sits up and put his puts his glasses on anyway because, like, Harry's Our the boy's center of blind. everything at the Our moment. Our boy's blind and he needs to know what's happening. Sure. Um, so where's Dumbledore? He's not here. This is a hospital wing minister. Don't you think you'd do better too? And then Dumbledore comes sweeping into the hospital wing. Of course he does. Dumbledore what knows what's happened? happening at all times in the school. Unless it's Barty Cross Jr. Sure. Bum, bum, bum. What has happened, said Dumbledore sharply, looking from Fudge to Professor McGonagall. Why are you disturbing these people? Minerva, I'm surprised at you. I asked you to stand guard over Barty Crouch. Ah, oh, there's no need Excuse to stand guard over him anymore, Dumbledore. The minister has seen to that. And we're not going to read that whole part. part. But basically, when, she, when Severus Snape went to go get Fudge, Fudge decided that he was going to bring a Dementor into the castle as his protector. And as soon as Fudge and the Dementor were in the same room, were in the same room as Barty Crouch Jr., the Dementor went over to him... Barty Crouch, mm. and gave him the Dementor's kiss. Yep. Without any questions, without any conversations, just rounded on him and boom, he was he was worse than dead. Yeah, and Fudge is like, oh well. It's it's no big loss. Yeah. Since it seems he's responsible for several deaths. And it's like, Dumbledore says, you don't understand. You, you can't give testimony. There is no evidence now. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, he's a lunatic, so what would his testimony mean? It's like, no. This is why it's so bad to label people. Because when you label people as lunatics, insane, mentally unstable, yeah. you you devalue what it is that they have to offer. And when you devalue what, what somebody has to offer and what they have to offer is something important, you are missing out terribly. Stop labeling people. Stop prejudging people. Get your crap together. And he's a, he's a, a minister. He's the minister of magic. He's the head of the magical world. For the UK. Um, you would think that he would, I don't know, want to come get down to the bottom of things. But it seems like he's just looking to tie up loose ends in whatever way he can. Makes me mad. No, he just didn't. He, he is already in denial. Mm-hmm. Calls... Um, <clears throat> Barty Crouch Jr., a raving lunatic, and mm-hmm. that he thinks that he was doing it on you-know-who's behalf, which Dumbledore's like, he was, he was though. He told us. Mm-hmm. He told us everything. And this is what happened. Yeah, they're a mere byproduct of a plan to restore Voldemort to full strength again. The plan succeeded. Voldemort has been restored to his body. And Fudge says, you-know-who returned preposterous come now Dumbledore and Dumbledore is like you know this is what happened he he found out that 
that Barty Crouch Jr. was still alive through Bertha Jorkins, and he was able to free him from his father and then capture Harry. And listen, you need to understand he's back. And he's like, see here, Dumbledore, you can't seriously believe this. And not from the word of a lunatic like that. Dumbledore, come on. And then he says, Harry told me what happened when he touched the Triwizard Cup and this and that. And he witnessed the Dark Lord's rebirth. And he's like, no. Well, so Barty Crouch looks over at where, where Harry is supposed to be sleeping. And Dumbledore immediately says, I'm afraid I cannot permit you to question Harry tonight. And Dumbledore, and Fudge starts smiling. And he's like, you're prepared to believe Harry on this? You're prepared to take his word, Dumbledore? And Dumbledore is like... On the word of a lunatic murderer and a boy who, well... And this is where Harry... I love smack. it. Yes. He says, you've been reading Rita Skeeter, Mr. Fudge. I, I love Sassy Harry. Oh. And it's, it's, it cuts right to the point. <clears throat> Again, because Rita is the sensational journalist that she is, she basically talks crap about everybody and plants seeds of doubt into everybody. Seeds of, of doubt and, and discord just all over the place. And because she's done that, Fudge, who is a blithering idiot, I texted you this morning as I listened to it, I hate Fudge. <laughs> For this very reason. No, Blithering Fudge, idiot. Fudge is a character that I will never be okay with because he 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 seems delusional. Yes. We we get more of his delusions in the next book. But here is the most powerful, I would say, righteous wizard to tell you that something happened. Well There is no denying it. There is no there is no, like, room for interpretation. Mm -hmm. He is telling you a fact. And... And your, your, his immediate thing is, no, there's no way. It's impossible. Why would Dumbledore have a need to spin a narrative that is false? And Dumbledore has been his... Uh, like, Fudge has seeked advice. Sought, sought is the sought. correct word. Ha-ha. Mm -hmm. Has sought advice from Dumbledore on numerous occasions throughout the years. Numerous. So many that I can't even count them. You know? So why now the person whose advice you sought out now all of a sudden you're like oh, your story? Implausible. Inconceivable. It, it's brought up the next book that it's, it's easier to believe in the lie and hope in the lie, in the in the in the fake, the falsehood that Voldemort is not back. Well, it makes sense because in this chapter he also says, "You're trying to throw away 13 years of what we've tried to build off of the word of an, an admitted murderer and a kid who is a parcel mouth." Um who has mysterious pains and possibly hallucinations. Like, we all know that parcel mouths are, are evil. We all know that they're up to no good. And I've never heard of a um, 
cursed scar hurting the way that he says it does. Oh, it's not in the, I didn't know cursed scars were, were alarm bells. Bro. Who else has cursed scars? Tell me. Bro, please. Because I thought he was the boy who lived because he's the only person who's ever survived uh, an Avada Kedavra. Mm-hmm. No? I was wrong? <sighs> and so this is like... I don't know. I don't know. Dumbledore's part before this, just before yeah. this, where he's like, listen to me. Oh, oh my that's, God. That's where, that's where he, you feel. Yeah. Like. Well, and that's what Harry says. He feels the same energy come off of Dumbledore. Indefinable sense of power. That came off of him when he started, stunned when Crouch. he stunned Crouch. So it's like, you mean to tell me that you're going to argue with this wizard who is exuding power, telling you, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Open your eyes, man. Well, now Harry and Crouch have a back and forth. And this is where you see the delusion. Mm-hmm. The French vanilla fantasy, if you don't get that reference, don't worry about it. Where it comes into, like, full power. Yeah. And Harry's, Harry's like, like, Voldemort's back. I, Voldemort, I saw him come back. I saw the Death Eaters. I can give you their names. Lucius Malfoy. Uh, Malfoy was cleared. A very old family. Donations to excellent causes. McNair, also cleared. Now working for the Ministry. Avery, not Crab, Goyle. You were merely repeating the names of those who were acquitted of being Death Eaters 13 years ago. You could have found their names in old reports of the trials. For heaven's sake, Dumbledore. The boy was full of some crackpot story at the end of last year, too. His tails are getting taller and you're still swallowing them. The boy can talk to snakes, Dumbledore, and you still think he's trustworthy. And then McGonagall. I love McGonagall. She's like, you fool. Cedric Diggory, Mr. Crouch, these deaths were not the random work of a lunatic. I see no evidence to the contrary. It seems to me that you are all determined to sort a panic that will destabilize Everything we have worked for these last 13 years. And it's not destabilizing what they've worked for it's these reality. 13 years. It's reality. You can't... If you've oh set God, up these things God. for 13 years and the reality has now changed, you have to shift your actions accordingly. Let everyone know so that they can start to prepare themselves for what's coming. But no, he would rather keep his head in the sand and not understand that doing so is putting everybody at a major disservice. So he keeps talking about, you know, what needs to happen. And it's like he had always thought, and and I love this, this idea. Harry couldn't believe what he was hearing. He had always thought of Fudge as a kindly figure, a little blustering, a little pompous, but essentially good nature. But now a short, angry wizard stood before him, refusing point blank to accept the prospect of disruption in his comfortable and ordered world to believe that Voldemort could have risen. Voldemort has returned, Dumbledore repeated. If you accept that fact straight away, Fudge, and take the necessary measures, we may still be able to save the situation. The first and most essential step is to remove Azkaban from the control of the Dementors. Why? Because we found out in the previous chapter that the Dementors allied themselves with Voldemort in the past. And they are, for all intents and purposes, his most dangerous and powerful allies. 
they, again, they don't care who you are. If they sense guilt in any way, they're just going to get you. Because that's what they feed off of. They, they feed off of anything that isn't, like, innocence, basically. Yeah. That, that's, like, the whole thing. If you're put in Azkaban and you're innocent and you believe wholeheartedly in your innocence... They leave you alone. They, they have no effect on you. Yeah. So... And Fudge is like, psh, no. It, I'd, I'd be run out of office if I even considered it. Only half of us... Uh, half of us only um, feel safe at night knowing that they're going to prison. And the was like, and the other half of us sleep less soundly. And he actually says the second step you must take, and at once is to send envoys to the giants. Why? Because the giants also align themselves with with Voldemort the first time around. Yeah. If the magical community got wind that I had approached the giants, people hate them, Dumbledore. End of my career. He's more worried about his career than he is about the safety of everyone he's supposed to look after. Like the Minister of Magic, I would have, I would imagine, would be like the the minister, the Prime Minister of the UK. They're supposed to be worried about everyone's safety, about the the <laughs> country's well being, about things that are going to impact the country and its citizens as a whole. He would have to do the same thing for the magical community, and he's more worried about his career. He literally just said, mm-hmm. "End of my career." The thing is that by the this part, this going forward is probably going to be us reading a lot of the actual chapter because, like, it's just says it, captures, it so well. It, it captures it perfectly, and to paraphrase, it would be like wrong. There are certain things we can paraphrase, and we have mm-hmm. here and there, but it's like this is the end of this book, so yeah, it has to it, it has to wrap up everything correctly. Yeah, so I'm going to read some. I'm reading this part because I love the oh uh, the blinded. Mm-hmm. You are blinded, said Dumbledore, his voice rising now, the aura of power around him palpable, his eyes blazing once more. By the love of the office you hold, Cornelius, you place too much importance, and you always have done, on the so-called purity of blood. You fail to recognize that it matters not what someone is born, but what they grow to be. Your Dementor has destroyed the last remaining member of a pure-blood family as old as any, and see what that man chose to make of his life. I tell you now, take the steps I have suggested, and you will be remembered, in office or out, as one of the bravest and greatest ministers of magic we have ever known. Fail to act, and history will remember you as the man who stepped aside and allowed Voldemort a second chance to destroy the world we have tried to rebuild. And what is Fudge's response? Insane. Mad. If, you, if your determination to shut your eyes will carry you as far as this, Cornelius, we have reached a parting of the ways. You must act as you see fit, and I, I shall act as I see fit. And then, of course, Fudge takes this as a threat, and he says, Now see, Dumbledore, I've given you free reign always. I've had a lot of respect for you. I might not have agreed with some of your decisions, but I've kept quiet. There aren't many who'd have let you hire were- werewolves or keep Hagrid or decide what to teach your students without reference to the ministry. But if you're going to work against me... The only one against whom I intend to work is Lord Voldemort. If you are against him, then we remain, Cornelius, on the same side. 
And then, of course, Fudge has no answer to that. Read, read the, the next little and section. And he says... Um, no, 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 the whole thing. Oh. He rocked backward and forward on his small feet for a moment and spun his bowler hat... Bowler... Can't talk. Bowler? Yes. Bowler hat in his hands. Finally, he said, and with a hint of plea in his voice, he can't be back, Dumbledore. He just can't be. And... Snape. Oh, this is... This is like the first moment where I'm like, Snape, yes! So, before we get there, I want to say, this is a perfect example of somebody stimming or self-soothing. Yes. yeah. Because he's literally rocking backward and forward Mm -hmm. on his feet. He's trying to find some solace in a repetitive motion to ease the discomfort that he feels in his body. That's the psychologist in me, just bringing out some extra information for you guys. Mm -hmm. And as he tries to deny it, Snape steps forward and is like, look, pulling up his sleeve, showing the dark mark, vibrant on his arm. There, the dark mark. It is not as clear as it was an hour or so ago when it burned black, but you can still see it. Every Death Eater had the sign burned into him by the Dark Lord. It was a means of distinguishing one another and his means of summoning us to him. When he touched the mark of any Death Eater, we were to disapparate and apparate instantly at his side. The mark has been growing clearer all year. Karkaroff's too. Why do you think that Karkaroff fled tonight? We both felt the mark burn. We both knew he had returned. Karkaroff fears the Dark Lord's vengeance. He betrayed too many of his fellow Death Eaters to be sure of a welcome back into the fold. Mm-hmm. And, and and I am not. I by no means like Snape. I never have. No, but this never is a moment will. where he but stands up. But this is up. a moment where mm-hmm. I say, okay, all right. I don't absolutely detest you. I just mostly detest you. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, so this this is the moment where Fudge is just like, you know, I don't know what you and your staff are trying to do, Dumbledore, but enough. And he leaves. Yep. Well, he doesn't leave just yet. He says, enough. Um, I'll be in touch with you tomorrow to discuss the runnings of the school. I must return to the ministry. And then right before he leaves... He hands Harry a sack of a thousand galleons, his winnings, for the tournament. And he said there should have been a presentation ceremony, but under the circumstances. And we all know what the circumstances are. He's basically... (laughs) (laughs) That. But he's basically, like, insinuating everything that happened is just a circumstance. Mm-hmm. Not that, you know, Cedric's death meant anything, mm-hmm. or the fact that Harry brought back his body with the use of a port key, or that a Dementor just killed someone who was impersonating a teacher for a year, and that the person that he killed admitted to being in league with the Dark Lord who has now returned, and now Fudge is trying to pretend like none of this is happening, and just calling them circumstances. I hate fudge. So this is well. Where... The sweet treat is delicious. The person is terrible. True. So, uh, I do Dumbledore and Bill, and you do everyone else. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> so, after fudge leaves, fudge leaves. Dumbledore turns to the group, and he begins his his basically his war plan. This is what this is. This yep. moment. It's pretty sweet. 
Um, there is work to be done. Molly, am I right in thinking that I can count on you and Arthur? Of course you can, said Mrs. Weasley. She was white to the lips, but she looked resolute. We know what fudge is. It's Arthur's fondness for muggles that has kept him, that has held him back at the ministry all these years. Fudge thinks he lacks proper wizarding pride. Then I need to send a message to Arthur. All those that, uh, that we can persuade of the truth must be notified immediately. And he is well-placed to contact those at the ministry who are not as short-sighted as Cornelius. I'll go to Dad, said Bill, standing up. I'll go now. Excellent. Tell him what has happened. Tell him I will be in direct contact with him shortly. He will need to be discreet, however. If Fudge thinks that I am interfering at the ministry... Leave it to me, said Bill. Minerva, I want to see Haggard in my office as soon as possible. Also, if she will consent to come, Madame Maxime. Poppy... Uh, would you be very kind? Yes. To uh, would you be very kind and go down to Professor Moody's office, where I think you will find a house elf called Winky in considerable distress. Do what you can for her and take her back to the kitchen. I think Dobby will look after her for us. Very, very well," said <clears throat> Madame Pomfrey, looking startled, and she too left. And now it is time for two of our number to recognize each other for what they are. Serious, if you could resume your usual form. The great black dog looked up at Dumbledore, then, in an instant, turned back into a man. Mrs. Weasley screamed and leapt back from the bed. Serious Black! <laughs> she Mom. shrieked, pointing at him. Mom, shut up! Ron yelled. It's okay! <laughs> oh no. Okay, so Snape had not yelled or jumped backward, but the look on his face was one of mingled fury and horror. Him! <laughs> <laughs> I okay, I know that this is not a moment where we should be laughing, but both of us laughed at the same time because of the reaction. Like, poor Molly is not in the know of things, mm-hmm. and her son is like, Mom, cut it out. It's fine. I promise you, it's okay. I think, and I think Snape the biggest, is like, uh. The biggest funny is we both said him in like ridiculous voices at the same time. <laughs> yes. Because mm-hmm. it makes, it's terrible, but it makes sense. It's like, <sighs> Sirius is mad, not because, I'm serious. Severus Snape is mad, not because he thinks Sirius is a, is murderer, a murderer. Because he knows he's not. Yeah, but because he just doesn't like Sirius. Yeah. And he's like, why is he here? What is he doing here? And it's. He is here at my... Well, that's exactly what he said, yes. basically. And it's, he is here at my invitation, as are you, Severus. I trust you both. It is time for you to lay aside your old differences and trust each other. Oh, hello again. I will settle in the short term for a lack of open hostility. You will shake hands. You are on the same side now. Time is short, and unless the few of us who know the truth do not stand united, there is no hope for any... Yeah, and very slowly... Any of us. Any For any of us, yeah. So, very slowly, they shake hands. It's like, have you ever seen the, hey. the memes or whatever of kids in the get-along shirt? I have not seen it, actually. Oh, my gosh. So, some parent decided that they were going to get a, a an adult-sized shirt mm. and write on it, get-along shirt. And when their kids are arguing, put them both in the shirt together. Mm. And eventually you're just going to have to be there and get along because you can't keep physically fighting with someone who's literally attached to you. So I feel like Dumbledore is putting them in the get along shirt. 
Yeah, basically. Yeah. That will do to be going on with. Now I have to. Uh, I have work for each of you. Fudge's attitude, though not unexpected, changes everything. Sirius, I need you to set off at once. You are to alert Remus Lupin, uh, Arabella Fig, Mundungus Fletcher, the old crowd. Lilo at Lupin's for a while. I will contact you there. And Harry's like, but? You'll see me very soon, Harry. I promise you. But I must do what I can. You understand, don't you? Yeah, said Harry. Yeah, of course I do. Um, Sirius grasped his hand briefly, nodded to Dumbledore, transformed again into the black dog, and ran the length of the room to the door, whose handle he turned with a paw. Then he was gone. I love how he, the dog, was able to turn the handle right. with a paw. So talented. So talented. Such a good boy. Yep. Severus, said Dumbledore, turning to Snape, you know what I must ask you to do. If you are ready, if you are prepared. Ah. Uh, I am, said Snape. Then good luck. It was several minutes before Dumbledore spoke again. I... And he says, I must go downstairs. I must see the diggeries. Harry, take the rest of your potion. I will see all of you later. So that's why he woke up, because he only took part of it and fell mm-hmm. asleep. If he had taken all of it, he would have missed this entire this entire interaction. Yay for goofy Harry. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and uh, Mrs. Weasley is like, you've got to take the rest of your potion, Harry. You have a good, long sleep. Try and think about something else for a while. Think about what you're going to buy with your winnings. I don't want that gold. You have it. Anyone can have it. I shouldn't have won it. It should have been Cedric's. Oh, and what kills me is that Molly whispers, it wasn't your fault, Harry. I told him to take the cup with me. So, I think it's it's interesting that J.K. paralleled Sirius's guilt for James and Lily's death and Harry's guilt for Cedric's death. The thing is, is that this might sound mean. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't Sirius say it. Sirius is less at fault than Harry is. But Harry isn't at fault either. He didn't know that it was a porky. He didn't know that it was going to lead to Cedric's death. But acting the hero is mentioned as being Harry's thing. Yeah. And so he wanted to be valorous and he wanted to be fair and he wanted to be you know noble noble and that is what led uh, cedric to the graveyard but if he it's had... not inherently his fault he didn't pull the trigger he's not the one who told pedigree to do it he's not the one who cast the spell yeah yeah it's that because of harry cedric was in that position and now he's dead well not necessarily because Harry helped, stopped to help Cedric. Mm-hmm. And the snake, uh, the snake, the spider attacked him. Cedric, Cedric agreed. Yes. Cedric said, Cedric could have just gone and gotten the porky himself, the cup himself. He would have been the one to win had, had he not stopped and said, Harry, no, the only reason I'm not hurt is because you helped. You, you should win. Mm-hmm. So, in my opinion, Cedric knew full well that he didn't have to accept it. He could have just won. Harry is not at fault at all, and I don't play, I don't place any more guilt upon Harry for Cedric's death 
than I do serious for J James and Lily's death. At all. At all. Well, this is the moment where we see the mother, like, the, the absolute mm -hmm. image of a mother here in um, Mrs. Weasley and Molly. Harry is just, you know, he feels the burning in his throat. He he feels the, the sadness welling up inside of him. And she hugs him. Yeah. And all the things that he saw in that night replayed in his mind where he saw his parents. He saw Cedric. He saw Cedric's dead body. He says he sees all of it until he was screwing up his face against the howl of misery fighting to get out of him. Yeah. Uh, there was a loud slamming noise and Hermione held something, held, what was it? By the window, she was holding something tight in her hand. It doesn't say pauses. what she's holding. No. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I remember in the movie, I think she had, like, no, it didn't happen in the movie. No. I just, I just, in my head, I always pictured her like, she's like drinking water and she just has the cup there and she sees um, yeah. whatever it is. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> and uses a cup to trap it. Because it's in a yes jar bigger. Anyway, yes, <laughs> little spoiler. which is probably the way that the thing that it was. Yeah. But anyway, um, she whispers sorry, and and Molly hands him the potion. She's like, "Your potion, Harry," said Mrs. Weasley quickly, wiping her eyes on the back of her hand. Harry drank it in one gulp. The effect was instantaneous. Heavy, irresistible waves of dreamless sleep broke over him. He fell back onto his pillows and thought no more. End of chapter. I like that the last thing he felt was Molly Weasley hugging him and mm -hmm. holding him. Mm -hmm. I cried. I'm about to cry right now because he's just been through something terrible and Mama, Mo Mama Molly is like, I got you. He's been, like, like, Dumbledore said it, too. He's been through just things that adults have to go through. And he's still just a kid. Yeah. Like, I can't even, like, right now, me, myself, if I was put in, like, Harry's position, what I would feel. It's terrible. All in one night. It's terrible. All in one night. He watched, he, I, I can't, like, I want to recap it, but it's still just, there's so much that happened, mm -hmm. and then the Minister of Magic denying everything. Yeah. And then Dumbledore springing into action, because the Minister of Magic denied everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, this chapter had so much in it, and it was... As long as the other chapters. Mm -hmm. But there's so much importantness to everything. And a lot of stuff everything. to unpack. Mm -hmm. Molly finds out that Sirius Black is is part of the... The homie. Yeah. yeah. She still sees him as a murderer. Yeah. Because that's the narrative that which has been last, written for her. Which doesn't last very long. Yeah. No, yeah. because she... they Everybody... Eh, I'm sure it gets explained mm -hmm. because right now she's going, she's working under the impression Dumbledore knows best 
And if Dumbledore is telling me that I can trust him, then I can trust him. I'm going to need an explanation later, but at this very moment, trust him. So that's that. Voldemort's back. Fudge doesn't want to believe it. And now Dumbledore has to do his own thing. Mana! Yes. Okay. That's all we got, guys. Yeah, We're so... going to talk about the last chapter in the next episode. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness gracious. Yes. Voldemort's back. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.